Well, generally when I talk with audiences, there's, uh, there's one of two ways it goes. People get really inspired and motivated or else people get really angry. And I think it depends on if you have publishers or editors in the room. That, that day I think we had more of the editor side and definitely got a, got a reaction. That was the first time that I've ever been called the devil in the presentation. Journalism. My name is Michael O'Connell here with a new podcast, and uh, this is a little bit something different and also something a little bit the same. I'm posting a follow-up phone interview I did with Eric Bright of Deseret Digital Media. He was uh, on our podcast a couple of weeks back. Actually, it was his uh, presentation at the Association of Alternative News Media's conference in Salt Lake City. I felt that it was a pretty powerful, really impactful uh, presentation, but there were people in the audience who uh, I think maybe thought a little bit differently. There were some uh, negative people on social media. Eric and I kind of talk about that a little bit at the beginning, but I think there's a lot of value in here talking to somebody or learning about the business side of journalism and what's going on right now. People coming up with new ideas about how we can make revenue to sort of support this wonderful journalism that we all want to do. Before we get started, though, I, I wanted to mention some of the other people who are actually involved in the production of this podcast. You hear my voice a lot, but there are other people behind the scenes who are doing work to help this, uh, help make this possible. And in no particular order, I wanted to recognize my fellow producers, Amber Healy, Nicola Grisco, Julia O'Donohue, Emily Kopp, and Atwan Kwan. And uh, I hope we get to hear some more of their great work and get some of their voices on the podcast and... Uh, have them continue to contribute with the work that we're doing here. So now to my one-on-one -on -one conversation with Eric Bright of Deseret Digital Media. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell. And on the phone with me today is Eric Bright, Vice President of E-Commerce at Deseret Digital Media. Welcome, Eric. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Okay. A, a few weeks back, we posted audio from Eric's presentation at the Association of Alternative News Media's conference in Salt Lake City. Eric was really uh, an impact, gave a really impactful presentation, I thought, which is, which is why I wanted to have you come back so soon. So there was a lot of buzz that sort of came out of the audience about some of the things you said. Well, let me ask you that. What, what, what do you think was the reaction to your presentation? <laughs> Well, generally when I talk with audiences, there's uh, there's one of two ways it goes. People get really inspired and motivated or else people get really angry. And I think it depends on if you have publishers or editors in the room. That, that day, I think we had more of the editor side and definitely got a, got a reaction. That was the first time that I've ever been called the devil in the uh, presentation. Did, did they, was it during? I, I didn't hear that. Did they come up afterwards and call you the devil? No, there was a there was quite a tweet discussion that happened. Oh my god! While I was presenting, and one guy said, "This guy's the devil. He's everything that's wrong with media." And then that launched a flurry of responses. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, well, I guess I'm speaking to the devil straight from Salt Lake City. <laughs> um, no, I you know, but but I could tell you it was really you know sometimes when you go to these presentations, they're pretty dry, and you know people get excited and, and everything. 
But there was there was like a moment like because you know, I I'm from an editorial background and there was a moment in, in the crowd where you could you could sort of sense a change in the air when suddenly people realized what you were talking about and and it, and then you know people started asking you some very pointed questions so let's let's sort of step back in, into it well first of all how did you how did you get sort of involved in in, in any commerce and marketing you know what was your path to where you're at now. Yeah, my path is my path personally came up through uh, you know business to consumer promotion and channel management. I started in direct response uh, all the way back in the days where direct mail and catalogs were all the rage, and I just I stayed in that vertical. I moved up from uh, catalog promotion to database marketing and management, and then online promotion, and then online channel management, and really focused on. Most of the time, focused on the B2C hard goods side, some soft goods and some B2B soft goods, but really all of it was based in promotion and selling goods and services through some channel, whether it was call center, retail, or uh, e-commerce. So so you came from sort of a salesman background, I guess. You're saying B2B, business to business. Yeah, more on the marketing and advertising side, uh, but definitely there's there's a lot of sales aspects to that as well, and I've worked with a lot of sales teams. So did you have a, a, a lot of experience uh, before you came to Deseret in, in a media company? Zero. Zero. Not not one whit. I, I mean, I've experienced selling and promoting on media platforms, which gave us a unique insight. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of success in the traditional online advertising or even print advertising and newspapers and such which gave us a insight into, you know, what works and what didn't work based on our own personal experience and really helped us to frame our paradigm on how we move forward building this marketplace business. So what what lessons did you take from the business side that you brought into a media company? Specifically, uh, I guess if you distill it down, display advertising just doesn't work. You know, when I was selling e-commerce goods, I had somebody from a media company, this media company specifically, come in and give me a dog and pony and a big song and dance about how they could get me so many eyeballs and impressions and that would yield a certain brand lift for my product. And, you know, I, I put $10,000 in and we promoted and ran it for three months and I got not one single order off of it, not one order. And for us, we, you know, five years ago when we started this venture here in, in DDM, we, we used that as a baseline and said, look, that's, we've got to do better. You know, we have to be able to get people valuable, value back for their spend, and it has to be tangible. It can't just be, I promise you, you're getting brand lift in market. It had to be, no, I'm giving you this many leads or this many orders or this many conversions. The company that you work for has lots of different platforms, right? I think you said, mm-hmm. what, 10 different platforms? Uh, the marketplace group, we now have 10 sites or platforms or products. Okay. The company DDM has, oh boy, a lot more. So we have, oh man, we have two community news sites, uh, KSL and Deseret News. We have three or four kind of focused niche sites that focus on sports. Uh, one's on BYU sports, Brigham Young University sports, one's on uh, our local MLS soccer team, we have some for other universities uh, up or down the Wasatch. We have a family news site that's kind of a it's kind of a user generated kind of a blogging type site called Family Share. 
And then we have all of the marketplace verticals, which include uh, products in the classifieds verticals, local commerce, which would be like an online local directory or a local deals, a Groupon competitor. And then we have the travel sites that we spend time talking about at the AAN. Yeah, yeah. I think that 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 was kind of the moment I think where a lot of people, when you were describing uh, Utah.com and, and you know some of the ways that you were going to relaunch that and, and pay for that. Uh, sort of, you know, you, you sort of came, came out of the discussion about, you know, how display advertising work, doesn't work. And here you are, you're going to launch a, a site, a content site, albeit a, a travel site that do, isn't going to have any ads. And, and I think uh, some, you know, that, that's that I think kind of got a lot of people uh, concerned from an editorial standpoint. But anyway, before we get back into that, so when you came to Deseret, was was your mandate then that we we just need to change this model to figure out how to make this work? Yeah, when I I interviewed at Deseret Digital with Clark Gilbert, and he was in, he'd been here for maybe 12, 14 months, kind of building out this new digital organization uh, under DDM. We had a really long conversation. We talked about a bunch of different things and business models and he looked across the desk and said, what do you think my business or my uh, revenue mix should be between display revenue and non-display revenue? And I'd never been in media. I had no idea. I pulled a number out of my ear and said 50%. And you know, Clark held us to that number. So from day one, we were striving to get to half of the revenue mix within DDM had to be non-display. And it took us three and a half years, but we finally hit that 50% number. And now, now we're moving. It's it's a fortuitous because it's this year that we're really starting to see increased pressure and in media coverage of display ads with ad blocking technologies coming out from all the major uh, players in Silicon Valley that you know that we started five years ago, knowing someday like this would come to really diversify our revenue mix. So, when we say diversify your revenue mix, what does that mean? What 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 are these diverse um, properties? Or approaches. Yes. So across the various properties that we have, we have uh, some businesses, some public, some products or uh, properties are still almost entirely reliant on display advertising. Some of our news sites would fall under that. My general classified site, where I'm selling cl- uh, couches or dogs or whatever, those are harder to monetize. So display is still predominant. But on our cars verticals, uh, our jobs vertical, those are all monetized uh, between 80 and 95% on listings. So the stuff people come to look at, the number, uh, a car or a job, we monetize some number of those. So on jobs, for instance, our recruitment vertical, every listing that shows up there is monetized. On cars, every listing that shows up uh, by a business or a dealer is monetized. And then we have a free component for, for sell by owner clients. They can still post their cars free, but it's subsidized by the revenue that comes from the dealers. We also have a hundred percent e-commerce businesses. So uh, where all of the revenue comes from a consumer going to our site and adding something to a cart and transacting there. Uh, And then we have some ancillary things. So we have affiliate relationships with, uh, movie tickets or, or restaurant dinner reservations, um, where we make a portion of a sale if they book a ticket or a tea time or schedule a restaurant at a restaurant locally, we make a small portion of those as well. So, so you're sort of making you're, you're collecting money off of services that you're able to provide on, on some of the platforms that you've got. Yep, that's right. 
Okay. Now let's talk about. Now you said there are two. There are there are two media portions of that, or news portions of that, um, and, and those are primarily display advertising. There, almost entirely display. Okay. So, uh, but there's no. You you have no. I guess I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm thinking of is is that you've got a pretty big company with with a, a, a diverse uh, number of different verticals that you can make money on. Some of which are going to be you can still have display ads on, but others you're you're finding other types of revenue streams. Uh, so yeah. so it's you're not you know what you're you're describing is not necessarily something that every certainly every small market newspaper is going to be able to do, but some maybe that that have larger companies that own different types of businesses and provide different types of services might be able to adapt to. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I entirely agree with that. I think yes, there may be some some companies have such a small business that it's really hard for them to invest outside of uh, their core. Mm-hmm. But you know, 5 years ago DDM, although we're in a mid-sized market, I think we're in number 35 in the DMA you know, when we first started at DDM, at least from a digital assets perspective, we weren't making a whole lot of money. And mm-hmm. I think if you compared us to a lot of the small markets, we're probably on par. I mean, we were you know, sub $10 million in revenue, uh, sub by quite a bit. And we started with really bootstrapping a couple of products. So we, we looked at products where... We had a really high affinity in the community. We went out and then, uh, conducted some focus groups and some usability studies and did some surveys and asked what they needed and what they wanted from a product. And then, you know, we built from scratch uh, or rebuilt from a couple of different products with literally two of us and built it up, gave it to some sellers to go sell, and they sold it and generated some cash that provided runway to enhance that product and then go on to the next one. The next one would have been our jobs vertical. And we did the same thing. We got some funding just through generated revenue and two of us started working on a jobs vertical. And that one was not dependent on a sales force going out. We just uh, showcased the product on our news platforms and our classified platform and got people adopting and posting jobs and, you know, we went from, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, 150,000, 160,000 in that first year to you know, now we're closing in on 10 million with that jobs product, 95% of which is self-serve through hiring managers just going to the site and posting their listings. That's over the course of you know, four years. So we, you know, really, if you go all the way back to 2000 and late 2009, 2010, we were a pretty small organization from a revenue standpoint. We bootstrapped our way to success, and now we have enough revenue that we can actually spin it off and reinvest it in either enhancing current business models or trying new businesses. Okay. Well, one of the things I liked about your presentation and some of the things that you're saying today is you, you're very much about finding out what, what people want and, and actually giving them what they want which seems to be very counterintuitive for some um, people in the, in the media place. You know, uh, we, you know, I, the, one of the things you said in your presentation was you, you told the story of you, you do a survey and everybody says, Oh, they hate ads. The first thing they say is eight ads. And then the, the sales guy says, well, they always say that, but, you know, but eventually you got to realize if they're saying something to you, maybe that, you know, you should do what you're, 
you know, what your readers, your, your users want and, and give it to them. And, and then maybe they'll reward you, you know, monetarily. Yeah, that, that comes from, you know, our background and experience specifically not within media. I think media for so long just had kind of a pulpit that they could speak from and do whatever they wanted to. But those of us that came from e-commerce, you know, e-commerce is hyper competitive around, uh, creating the best possible user experience, and we spend a lot of time really optimizing that user funnel on our site. And we brought that here, and the very first thing we do before we make any product enhancement or launch a new business, we go in market. Uh, tomorrow through Friday, I'll be in Boise, Phoenix, and Vegas, and we're going in market and asking consumers what they think about products that are in market already, what they think about our product, what do they like, what do they hate about our product. And that begins to inform really a due diligence packet that we then bring back here, throw out on the table and percolate on for a while while we can while we consider what, what features and products can come out of that. So let's talk a little bit about the, the Utah.com site. Now, when is that going to be launched, the new site? Oh, knock on wood, I hope that's launched in a month. Okay. Yeah. And again, this is one of those times where I wish we had a, this was a visual podcast because the, the thing that you were showing, the thing that you were demonstrating, um, at the, um, at the conference was really kind of powerful. You had these really wonderful images of, you know, the beautiful landscape of Utah sort of promoting that. And then you, you were showing us a website that actually had no ads. Um, but where, where did this, this idea come from? Well, Utah.com exists today uh, in a it's really a pretty crappy user experience. There's a lot of content, a lot of text, a lot of links. It was born out of the uh, late nine, mid to late 90s where a lot of that black hat SEO with a lot of links was dominating the scene. Um, we sell ads. There are display ads on the site. Most of them are little thumbnail square ads that just aren't very successful. And, you know, we started by looking at uh, just uh, using online uh, heat map technology to see where people are clicking. And literally, you pull those heat maps up, and there's there are no clicks anywhere that even looks remotely like an ad. We had some ads on there, display ads that looked kind of close to the organic content, but had maybe a, a tagline or a different font, and people weren't clicking. I mean... Users are savvy. You know, we're 20-plus years into the Internet era, 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 and people, they know what an ad is, and they don't click on them. So, it, you know, that heat map coincided perfectly with the dramatic decline in response rates we've seen to, uh, or click-through rates we've seen on display ads, and we went in market. We went into uh, Colorado and California and here in Utah, and we, we just asked people when you're planning travel, specifically to Utah, what sites do you go to? What are you looking for when you get there? And then uh, what what things are not available on those sites that you would like to have? And then we threw up uh, in front of them Utah.com, and we gave them some use cases and just said, okay, go find, a, go find a place to stay in Moab and plan something to do while you're there. And then we watched them on screen as they did that, and we could see really how painful we made the process for them. Came back and said there's got to be a better way. And... Married all of that research with some other research we've done on some other classified verticals to see how people engage with listings or things that they're looking for, how, what they engage with, what they don't engage with. And from that, we said, okay, let's now just the 
clean slate. Let's let's get a full new redesign and a rebrand discussion going about Utah.com. And we literally we started from scratch and we threw out the most crazy concepts we could think of. And some of those actually resonated. And slowly but surely over time, through multiple iterations, we iterated down to where we're the product we're working on today that hopefully will launch in September, that's really, it's ad-free. And when I say ad-free, it's display ad-free. I mean, we're still promoting all of the travel and tourism industry in the state of Utah, and that includes hoteliers and guides and outfitters and restaurateurs and event makers. We're highlighting all of those, but we're highlighting them in a way that it's organic to everything else that we're promoting about the state. In, in actuality, all of that is what we're promoting for the state. We're promoting natural resources that the state has in national parks and monuments, but also all of the things to do outside of those national parks and monuments. So it's uh, – where does this fit into the model of, of, of just the rest of the verticals? It's just one of the one of the uh, ways that you've sort of diversified the content that you have, diversified the revenue stream? It's totally unique today. One thing we've found as we've done this over and over in all these different disparate verticals there's generally a common thread that weaves itself through all of them, but all of them also are nuanced and unique based on the vertical. So at the very at the very bottom of the pyramid, we know there are a few things that resonate with consumers, both when you talk to them in person, but also how they behave when you're not talking to them and they're just behaving naturally through their own browser experience or app experience. One is they don't like ads. They, they really don't, and they don't click on them. Two is you can enhance the success rates of your clients, whatever the vertical, if you just focus on uh, placement, prominent placement in relevant context. Is, that's a mouthful, but that's what we like to say. So, you know, if you're uh, on the cars vertical, for instance, if, if somebody's looking for a 2010 Honda Civic, Make sure that the only thing you're showing them on that page are 2010 Honda Civics, plus or minus one or two years, and you're going to generate return. If I'm trying to, if I'm on that page and I'm showing 2014 Toyota Camrys, I'm not going to get as good a response as if I'm showing legitimate 2010 Honda Civics. So we work really hard to make sure that we're only promoting our clients in places where they're most likely to get return on their investment, be it calls, clicks, or emails. On Utah.com, it's the same way. If I'm gonna, if I want to generate significant return, I better be showing Moab-specific travel itinerary or data. I shouldn't show anything other than that, unless a customer asks for it or they click through facets or attributes wanting more relevant stuff. I think the thing that um, probably people were responding to, and you said it at the beginning, is that the audience that you were talking about at the at the or talking to at the the conference was mostly editorial. I think, and as you were describing Utah dot com, the thing that 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 I think sparked them to go, "Oh my God," was that uh, you were you were talking about sponsoring content on your front page. That you wouldn't have ads to pay for it. You would, you know, you would sell that display photo as, you know, as a sponsorship or whatever. Um, and then the content that would come out from it, you know, say that you're recommending a particular restaurant or something, some that would be a a client, uh, a restaurant or an inn or whatever that you had written a story about. Is that sort of the model that you're talking about? On Utah.com specifically. Yeah. It's clear that there about 60, 50 to 60% of any page on utah.com will be 
paid for, but we've made it pretty clear with our clients that you're going to get a lower response the more attention you call to your placement. So dot wax and logos and different font from what's on the rest of the site, they're just dead giveaways that this is an ad or it's paid for. And that that has to happen if it's not relevant. If the content is absolutely relevant to what that consumer is looking for or where they've landed, then just make it feel like it's organic. And, uh, you know, so, for instance, if we, uh, for Park City, Park City Mountain Resort will show up on the homepage of Utah.com, especially in ski season, and they can call out that it's Park City Mountain Resort. What we're encouraging them not to do, in fact, we're actually locking it down. We hired content curators is you can't have your logo blasted up there and, you know, you don't want it flashing or changing and you don't want it coming. It's, it can't be disruptive. It can't be uh, inorganic to the normal experience on the site. You can talk about Park City Mountain Resort and all the great things that you have. And when you click through to their detail page on utah.com, you can see everything promotional, what their lift tickets are going for, uh, what restaurant deals are around, what hotel room deals are around, all of that stuff's available. But, we make sure that it's consistent with anything else on the rest of the site. So when people hit the site, they know that they're on a travel and tourism planning site. They're not on a site that's specific to one thing, and then it's wrapped with ads that may or may not be relevant to whatever that content is the consumer is looking for. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is, I think, sort of the evolving or, or evolving idea of things that are like native content where you're, you're, uh, that you're writing stories about, you know, a movie that, you know, that, that's marked as sort of advertorial, but you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're providing something that, that your readers would be interested in, but, you know, they may not understand maybe the distinctions that you do that you might have editorially, but, you know, but some people, some people do have, have concerns about something like that. So I think it's understandable how maybe an audience of editors might look at that and say, oh, this is, you know, they look at it one way, but then on the other hand, if you look at it, as as part of your your overall business model, this is something that's paying for the journalism that's on the other site, you know, on your news your news site, which is also being being supported by display advertising. Yeah, I I agree, and I think this is the this is the differentiating point, and I think one of the things that didn't come out clearly at the conference. You know, I'm I'm not talking about the news media site. Uh, I I think we clarified early that news is a really tough business model. You know, even 100 years ago, news was a really tough business model. It was always generally supported by advertising in a, an ancillary product like classifieds. And right. that's what really drove news. Right. News, news is impossible to monetize because once you try to monetize it, you kind of you lose the authenticity of news. So that's where here we said, look, we can't, we can't do all of this stuff on our news sites. And frankly, you know, you mentioned native content, native advertising. That's kind of a buzzword. You know, I'm, I think I speak with confidence when I say that in a, in a news organization or a news site is not going to live very long. And, you know, as dramatically as we've seen click-through rates on display as decline over the last 15 years, you're going to see that in native uh, advertising or native articles quickly. And what I'm talking about are, you know, I'm going to put some paid for news content in the middle of my news feed. Right. You know, I've, I've, I say a lot that marketers ruin everything and I'm comfortable saying that because <laughs> I am a marketer, but we do marketers ruin everything. 
once we see some nugget of success in something, we exploit it and to the point where we ruin it. Yeah. That's going to happen in native content. You're going to get more and more paid content articles in my real news feed and people soon aren't going on some sites aren't going to know which one's news and which one isn't news. And then they're going to stop reading that site altogether. You know, one of the things that, that editorially, uh, that, that we've, you know, that, that I've, I've experienced being on an online site and, and other places and, and seeing that if all you're worried, if you're all you're thinking about is clicks, you put up a photo gallery and you get tons of clicks. But if you've noticed in the last few months, like if you go on Facebook it's sort of the, as you said, the marketing is sort of ruining it. Now, now you know, something that would have been 10 photos that you could click through very quickly now is like this arduous experience where you, you're clicking through multiple, you know, repeated pages without text of the same sort of image in a different way just to get to number one or whatever the list of 15 is. And it's just, you know, the, no, no regard for the user experience in something like that. And, and I think... Yep. That's the type of thing, you know, it's like, like you were saying before, marketers ruin everything. It, it, eventually, if you create something and try to milk your audience, your audience gets really annoyed very quickly. And uh, they'll turn turn on you. <laughs> they'll turn away from you. So Perfectly said. That's exactly right. As you look, as you look down the road, you know, five, ten years, uh, uh, well, wh- what do you think about revenue streams going forward on do you think that, you know, what you sort of presented is, you know, trying to diversify what you're doing is, is something that, that's going to gonna have to be the way that media sites are going to go? I think it's the only way. I mean, I, the more media consumption turns to mobile devices, the fewer opportunities you have to get the, a display ad in front of them or the fewer opportunities you have to monetize it. I, there's just... And the more sensitive we all are. Like, you know, these these devices, these phones and these tablets... You know, they're, they're as important to most of us as our right hand, and we're super sensitive about it. Like, I don't want you messing with my right hand, and don't be slapping up ads in front of my consumption experience on these phones. The screen's too small. I can't, it's too hard for me to navigate through all of that noise. More, more and more media organizations, especially news media organizations, are going to have to find out ways to monetize outside of the news content. I don't see, unfortunately, I think that a lot of the organizations are really built by uh, people who came from a legacy news organization, and they have a really hard time detaching themselves from that news media, which is right. That's why I think you have to introduce people in organizations who don't have to worry about the the authenticity and the genuine content uh, that you would expect from news media. Let that group keep going. Like, let them do what they do best. Bring somebody else in who hasn't, who's not encumbered by that background or that history, to figure out. Okay, I have an audience that's been generated from that, that the history of that news organization. How can I take that audience and leverage revenue growth in a different vertical and give them something that that, that they're going to find useful and they're going to be comfortable with in that space? Yep. Especially, especially, I mean, the, you know, I've been doing this podcast for a couple of years, and and we have all these conversations about you know, innovation in media and, and, you know, journalists are really good about coming up with great ideas to tell their, their news, you know, in exciting new and more informative ways that they don't always, they don't always know how to make money. And, uh, so, so it's good to hear somebody who, who comes from a business background, a marketing and e-commerce background, who, who has some different ideas about how to, how to do that. So, so what's, what's next for, for Deseret, uh, digital media? 
Yeah, so we're still we're still focused on those three verticals: classifieds, local commerce, and travel. We've got a, we've got quite a ways to go in terms of depth on all three of those verticals. You know, on the classifieds vertical, you know, we're still working to fine tune that model for this market here in Utah. You know, that's this is our bread and butter. We want to make sure that we continue to strengthen ourselves here, but. You know, I'm, I think I mentioned earlier, we're going to be in Boise, Vegas, and uh, Phoenix the next three days. We're looking at how we can expand outside the state with that classifies vertical. We have lots of people who they're either transplants from Utah into places out of state or they have some affinity with our brands at some level who ask us over and over, when are you going to bring KSL classifies into this market? So we're exploring that. Uh, on the local commerce side, we're looking at ways to get deeper into uh, local commerce. So we have a business directory today. We're looking at adding events, an events directory. We have a deals platform. We're looking at ways that we can introduce small and independent local retailers into online environment with access to audience that we have. Is there a way that we can get their products showcased in a kind of a shops environment for them? And then the travel vertical is uh, big for us. You know, we started with Utah.com. We own SaltLake.com. We own ExclusiveUtah.com, where we promote exclusive vacations in uh, the state. We own Golf Utah, Travel Utah. We own a bunch of different domains that we're looking to build out so that we really just, you know, we're pretty fortunate here in Utah to have such a great uh, state in terms of things to see and do and recreate. We're going we're gonna to leverage that and go really, really deep in that travel vertical. Well, that sounds that sounds pretty exciting. I know that you know. Before we started recording, I told you this was my first time out in Salt Lake City. I was really impressed with the city and the people there, um, and just as an as a place to go on a vacation. It was you know I I was very impressed. So I came away feeling really positive. Yeah, yeah. I'll bring the family out this time. I won't won't just conference it. I'll, That's uh, right. I'll I'll see the see the see the sights while I'm out there. Well, Eric, thanks for for taking the time to do this uh, and having this little follow up conversation. I, I wish you all the, all the luck, uh, and uh, uh, I'll check in every once in a while to see how everything's going. Sounds great, Michael. Thank you very much for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. Okay. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the changing state of digital news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also download episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at All Journalism. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.